Hi everyone and welcome to the Poema Podcast. I'm James Prescott, uh, your host. It's great to be here. Got a very special guest with me today, um, Shane Claiborne, who is um, an author and an activist. He's written tons of great books um, like uh, The Irresistible Revolution and Jesus for President. And um, he's just written and just launched a new book called um, Executing Grace, which is which we're going to talk about a bit today. Um, so welcome, Shane. It's great to have you here. Yeah, great to be with you, man. Um, yeah, so just tell us a bit about about you, kind of the, some of the stuff you do, <laughs> <laughs> for people who don't know. <laughs> well, I, I'm a Tennessee kid, you can tell by my accent, that's why I, I talk with such a, a, a charming, uh, lovely accent. I grew up down south and uh, um, came up to Philadelphia to go to school. We, we started a, a community here called The Simple Way uh, out of college like 20 years ago, and Philly's been home since then. And uh, I get over there in the UK every chance I can, you know, um, yeah. and do a radio show with my buddy Tony Campolo that's oh, on uh, yeah. Premier Radio every week. And uh, 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 so, yeah, we, we've been doing this work for a while and doing our best to follow after Jesus and try to interrupt uh, injustice. And uh, so that, 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 you know, my recent work around the death penalty, I kind of got involved with that because it surfaces a lot of other things that are kind of underneath the death penalty. And I know, you know, you guys are, um, yeah, yeah. I've moved beyond the death penalty over there, but, but there's still some, I think, toxic mm-hmm. theology. There's uh, a lot of issues around our, our history of slavery and racism, mm-hmm. uh, that are still evident in the death penalty. Um, and, and, and really at the end of the day, it's, it's about the gospel and about grace and the mm-hmm. idea of, uh, is anybody beyond redemption? Um, how do we understand Jesus's death yeah. and and uh, uh, this this wild idea that while we were yet sinners, God loved us, and you know Jesus came not for the healthy but for the sick, and so it's it's also about uh, a, a God whose grace I think is is big, and as Scripture said, mercy triumphs over judgment. So I, yeah. I believe that, and I think all all that's at stake when it comes to the death penalty. Yeah, there's definitely a ton of underlying issues with it. Um, as you say, we haven't had it here for since the 1950s, I think. 1950s, 1960s. Um, the reason it got rid, that we got rid of it in the UK was largely because there was this miscarriage of justice. Somebody got executed uh, who was innocent. Um, yeah. And there started to be quite a few of those cases, and so eventually they just got rid of it. Um well, that's a big deal here too. You know, for every for every nine executions, we've had one exoneration. So one per- person that's been released from death row after being wrongfully convicted, uh, one for nine. So you start to go, geez, Louise. You know, what if mm. out of every ten planes that took off, one of them crashed? We'd be like, all right, let's not uh, let's ground the planes a while. You know, but. But um, it raises questions about how much we trust our government and, you know, broken human institutions with the irreversible power of life and death. Uh, Mm. And I've done a lot of I've gotten to know a lot of those folks. And and, um, I mean, it it blows my mind, you know, to to think of what that would be like to uh, to be, you know, spend decades in prison for something you had nothing to do with, you know, Uh, Mm. um, folks that were even convicted of crimes that they. Uh, have ne- we're, we're not even in the same state when the crime was committed, uh, and, really? and uh, oh. c- cases that were are before our Supreme Court right now, where all the um, 
uh, black jurors were systemic, systematically removed uh, for the trial of, a, of an African American man. I mean, so we still got. It's, 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 it's a really wild thing. And um, um, one of the groups leading the way in a lot of states here in the U.S., like in Nebraska, are conservatives concerned about the death penalty uh, because of many of those same reasons, and, and you know the fact that it, it costs more to. Uh, have an execution than to keep someone in prison for life um, really? three times as much, you know. And so there's a lot of like misinformation. But at the end of the day, like like for me, um, it, it, you know, I, I'll work with folks that are, you know, because of the facts, it's not a deterrent of crime. It costs more, you know. Do we trust our government with the power? But all all of that's, uh, you know, helpful to talk about. But for me, like I, I really believe it's a hard issue as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as a person of faith, um, one of the things that troubles me in our country is that the death penalty has survived uh, not in spite of Christians, but because of us. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends says the Bible belt is the death belt. You know, when we look at where executions are happening, not only are these the places uh, that held on to slavery the longest, but it's also uh, the Bible belt. You know, um, in the U.S., Texas and Georgia uh, were responsible, two states responsible for 80% of our executions last year. So we're just in these two states. So in reality, most of our country's done away with the death penalty uh, uh, in practice, but there's still a lot of places that have it on the books. Um, but there's, there, that, that's changing rapidly right now. There's um, studies like a, a recent Pew Research study that showed that support for the death penalty uh, has hit historic lows. Um, yeah. For the first time in recent history, uh, more Americans are against the death penalty than are for it. Yeah, that's not a surprise at all. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's weird because over here, it's not even an issue. You know, we don't even... It's like, the, it's like um, for example, gun ownership, you know, which is a huge issue in America. You know, but over here, it's kind of... You know, I know that, speaking as a Brit, like, we're all kind of like, how is this an issue? You know, it's like, it's just obvious to us, like... Less guns equals less gun crime, equals less deaths, you know, equals less violence. Um, and it's just like common sense. <laughs> like, yeah. If somebody gets shot over here, it's kind of like a big event. Like in America, it's kind of people get shot every day and people, you know, it doesn't make the news. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, um, but definitely the death penalty is just, yeah, it's just um, for so, for lots of reasons. It's just, yeah, it's got to, it's. Yeah, it's got to go. Um, yeah, well, these these issues are all pretty related because we live in a culture of where, where violence is pervasive, you know, and yeah. we've even created what many you know of us call the the this myth of redemptive violence yeah. that you know yeah. is the the. <laughs> Uh, the the yeah. gun the gun act uh, the gun supporters in the, in the, in the U.S. say so often that you know the only solution to a bad man with a gun is a good man with a gun. Um, so we we you know so we need more guns to fight guns and it, you know, it's this terrible yeah. spiral. So yeah. you know we've we've got almost three uh, uh, three hundred million guns in our country. Uh, yes. It's almost one yeah. per person. 
Um, and, 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 and so, you know, where there's more guns, there's more people killed by guns. And, 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 you know, we, we look at, uh, some of these recent massacres and it, it boggles the mind that people still have weapons that, you know, have the capacity to shoot, a uh, hundred rounds in a minute and things like that. But, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I know you guys over there look at us and you, you just can't, can't make any sense of it. And that's because there's no sense to be made of it. It, it, it it's really, yeah. um, boggles the mind. Um, but then you have someone like Dylan Roof and you go, what do you do with this person? And I, I'll tell you the the folks that have, have so much credibility with this have been, the, the victims of gun violence and, and the surviving family members of murder victims that are against the death penalty and um, groups like Journey of Hope um, it, here in the U.S. that gets together murder victims' family members with family members of the executed uh, or those facing execution. And together they kind of hold hands and unite their voices to say violence is the problem, not the solution. Um, you know, mm-hmm. violence is the disease, not the cure. And um, um, I, I think that has so much power because whether it's with the death penalty or with the war uh, in Syria or Iraq or Iran or whatever, you know, the next place is like we continue to kind of have this myth that we can fight violence with violence. Um, and in fact, what we get is more violence. You know, we're, we're, we're adding fuel to the fire. And, and you look at uh, the world right now that has um, yeah. the, the most powerful and the most uh, uh, prolific, you know, weaponry ever in history. And it's also a world where violence is, is con- almost daily raising its head, you know. And, and, and a lot mm-hmm. of us in, in countries like the U.K. and the U.S. are have been a part of that problem. I mean, we, we've dealt weapons around the world. We're still dealing weapons uh, with Saudi Arabia, you know, like we armed Iran and Iraq uh, in the uh, Iran-Contra scandal, you know, like... So it's it's uh, it really... Uh, it's, it's like if I were selling guns to kids in my neighborhood uh, and then telling them not to shoot each other. I mean, that, that's kind of what our governments are doing in many parts of the world is we're... we're we're, we're, we're selling uh, weapons, yeah. and then we're surprised when they are turned on us. Uh, so the wisdom of Jesus is you pick up the sword, you die by the sword, you know. And, and I, I think that Jesus teaches us another way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jesus is, Yeah, because this, this, this myth of redemptive violence is used in a lot of theology. A lot of theology. It's kind of, it supports kind of the whole atonement idea that like Jesus had to suffer a violent death to to take punishment for what we did which is kind of a like saying violence solves the the sin problem like well, that's how i kind of always perceived it anyway it's kind of whereas well the way i saw it or saw the cross was more jesus was resisted all the violence that was meted out upon him he didn't was he didn't fight back you know like because obviously crucifixion was like this violent death really horrible violent death um, and you know, the, obviously the flogging that he went under as well, that was all really violent and bloody, and, but he didn't fight back. He just said, do what you want to me and I will just, I won't fight back. And then he, and then of course there's the resurrection and he, which kind of to me says, um, you did your, like the violence did its worst to me, but I'm still here. Um, yeah. 
And so I, I you know, I, I think there's a lot of really great thinking out there on on uh, uh, the the how we understand why Jesus died. Um, and Rene Girard and mm-hmm. others are working on nonviolent atonement, understanding um, this. But you know, I, I think part of the di- difficulty is theology is always trying to wrap our finite mm-hmm. minds around yeah. an infinite God, and it yeah. becomes really uh, difficult. So I, I think part of what we have to see Jesus's uh, death and resurrection uh, is is not just a puzzle to be solved, but yeah. it's a mystery to be internalized. And mm. but when regularly we identify with uh, uh, an executed, forgiving victim of tremendous violence that died with grace on his lips mm. with saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That should change us. It should reorient us as mm. we think about violence and the death penalty. Um, it, I, I think it should make us particularly sensitive to all victims of violence. Um, mm. and, and the biggest, uh, the, the most suspicious people of violence, right? The hardest people to convince that violence could ever be redemptive. Um, because we, we, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, uh, was a contradiction of that idea that violence uh, uh, brings peace. You know. Yeah. Um, now I think that there are way. There's a lot of different ways of understanding um, the, the the Jesus's death and resurrection. Some of which can um, make you feel like God was pointing a gun at humanity and took it off of humanity and pointed it onto Jesus and killed Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, uh, so I, I think there are ways that that we understand that that can end up um, 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 influencing how we think about God and the character of God. Um, and, and so, you know, as I wrote Executing Grace, I read a lot of those. I prayed a lot about this and um, had great readers like, you know, Tom Wright and others that were working through some of that. But I, I think mm-hmm. like there's some things that we can say definitively. And, and one of those is this idea atonement is, is also about, you know, uh, at one minute is, 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 is healing the things that have been broken through the effects of sin. And so just, just as, uh, you know, everything was lost in, in, uh, the garden of Eden and, you know, Adam and Eve, everything's restored in Jesus. And we see that the healing of that sin and, uh, uh, is, is, is accomplished through Christ. And, and, and I think it's also Jesus is, is the most, uh, radical act of divine solidarity in the history of the world that, that, you know, (laughs) black folks in America saw Jesus as a lynchy, you know, he hung from a tree. Um, and it created a sense of God understands our pain and this injustice and the travesty of, of, um, hatred, um, and mob violence, right? God understands that. Um, so like understanding Jesus's death as an execution is really important. Um, and, and, and I think helpful language for us that before Jesus, people only looked at crosses, um, as instruments of torture, yeah. uh, like, yeah. like, a, a, an electric chair, you know? And now like that, even this horrific instrument has been transformed into something that can be a conduit yeah. of God's love and grace. But, uh, you know, I think it's, it's important that, 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 that's what happened through Jesus and in Jesus. Um, 
and 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 it, it's important to still understand the cross in that historic context. You know, um, yeah, that, that, that it, it is, as some have said, uh, James Cone and others, that it was a public service announcement. You know, if you do what he did, you will die like he did, and yeah. it was utter humiliation Absolutely, to be. Yeah hung naked in front, you know, in front of the, the entire public on the cross and, you know, birds that would come and other uh, uh, predators that would come to the crosses because of the, the, the carnage that was there. I mean, it was horrific. Um, yeah. So, um, so, you know, that, that what I understand Jesus is, 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 uh, the image I use is, is water poured on the electric chair, you know, to short circuit the whole system. So yeah. he exposes it, as Colossians says, and puts death on display. But then he steals the show with, with love and with the triumph of grace and forgiveness. Um, so uh, anytime, I believe, anytime we rejoice in death, we uh, disgrace the cross. You know, we undermine that 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 mm-hmm. love and, and and mercy that we see in Jesus. So um, that's you know, I, I think it's impossible to fully get away from the idea that Jesus was the Lamb of God. There's this element of sacrifice that I still yeah. um, really <laughs> think that is in Scripture. It's in Jesus, but I also think it was a sacrifice to end all sacrifices. And part of what ended in Jesus is the need for blood, you know, the need for more sacrifice. Like, like everything is restored. And while we were yet sinners, Jesus died. And now who are we um, who had or have been spared from death? Who are we to call for death for another person? And I think to undermine the, yeah. the, the possibilities of redemption through Christ. Absolutely, yeah. Because if yeah, because if you're if you're so if you're condemning somebody to death, you're basically saying there's no hope for you. There's no redemption for you. There's no way you can ever change. There's no you're denying the possibility to actually change. And yeah, and, and this is not hypotheticals. You know, I, I uh, in the book and in and in one of one of my my inspirations on this is a man named Billy Neil Moore. Who um, his his guilt is actually not in question. He came back from the Vietnam War very troubled, and he and an army buddy robbed a house. And through the course of things, uh, everything went haywire, and a man was killed. Um, and Billy, who had never had any criminal history was was absolutely horrified turned himself in fully confessed knew he would face the death penalty and and you know as he always says he would have pushed the button on his own execution if he could he had no reason to live he uh um tried to kill himself while he was in prison and then the interruption came from maybe where a lot of us would think would be the most unlikely place it was the murder victim's family who were Christians that reached out to Billy and extended forgiveness and, and said, we hate what you did. No one will, you know, nothing will ever bring our loved one back, but we want you to know we believe in Jesus. And um, we believe that, that uh, God may not be done with you yet. And we're going to argue against the death penalty. And they did. And, you know, in, in a really extraordinary case, Billy was not only uh, was he not executed, but he was released from prison. Wow. And today he's a pastor, you know, and, and I've is... gotten to preach with him. And when he preaches, wow, his message is Whoa. that no one is beyond redemption. You know, that so I is... mean, I, that's the gospel. That That's what uh, yeah. uh, I think we also are up against. Uh, the, anyone that would, you know, argue in favor of the death penalty um, are, are stories that, 
are not just Billy Neil Moore's story, but there are stories like Moses who killed someone, David, you know, Saul of Tarsus, like all through our history, mm-hmm. we've got some uh, infamous murderers that have been uh, given a second chance. And uh, I think that's that's the, the story of our faith. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's a phenomenal story. My word. That's just, that just shows the power of of grace and what and love and what it can do if we actually yeah, there's actually a lot of stories like that and you're right i mean every single one of them is dynamic and invigorating because uh and that's why like it's so important to me that when i talk about being anti-death penalty it's not about it's not at all about being anti-victim in fact it's it's the victims of violence that uh, for me, have been the most compelling voices that there are better ways of doing justice than trying to kill to show that killing is wrong. And yeah. we we actually um, stoop to the morality of those who kill when we do it as a society. And and the myth that, that we offer victims' families, that this will bring closure and healing yeah. and things like that are just uh, not, uh, not yeah. true. Um, That's uh, right. Yeah. And so, you know, as I think about justice in the Bible— God's idea of justice is very different from, I think, how we've been conditioned. Uh, a lot of times we think, what did they do wrong? And what is a, you know appropriate punishment for that crime? And the more I look at the idea of righteousness and justice as they play together in Scripture, is this idea is about restorative justice. It's not just getting what you deserve, but it's actually healing the wounds of sin and injustice. And, and God, I, I think, is... is more concerned with healing than with punishment. Um, yeah. And, and both healing those who have been wronged and those who have done wrong. Uh, and, and we can see some of that holy work in places like Rwanda that have had uh, oh, some yeah. of the most horrific mm-hmm. uh, violence that we can imagine and have seen in our generation. Uh, and yet those places can become um, redemption stories and places of healing um, and yeah. restoration. Wow, <laughs> that is amazing. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm convinced that grace is about confronting the truth. It's about confronting the truth of first that um, of the the mistakes we've made, like, and we have to take responsibility for those. But also, it's the truth that we're unconditionally loved by God, as we are, even with our imperfections and our sin and our all that kind of thing. That God still loves us, and then when we you know, and grace is about when we let grace into our lives, when, when we make space for grace in other people's lives, or we show grace towards other people. That's a that's a doorway to being transformed. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, that's what I'm, I mean. I wrote that's part of what my book is about. Um, but yeah, we need more of grace. I, I'm absolutely convinced of it. We don't talk about it enough. Um, and it does really. I mean, that story you told was just a most incredible example of grace. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's so. Um, and as I've heard some of the folks share about that, uh, you know, some of the the murder victims' families end up saying, um, you know, I I didn't forgive this person so that they could sleep. I forgave them so that I could sleep. You know, that, that this yeah. is not just about. Um, the person who's offended me, but it's also about what's really going to bring healing in my own heart. And and I know fo- families that have succeeded uh, or have managed to get an execution that are still very much held captive to um, 
um, the fear and the anger and the hatred and resentment um, of what was done to them. And I know other families that decided to go a different direction and not seek execution that have actually um, done some of the deepest healing and have used their pain um, to, to really try to bring prevent uh, harm and, and, and to heal some of the wounds of violence in the world. They're some of the most amazing radiant lights, uh, I think, in, in some of the darkest situations imaginable. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, I think, I mean, it's really easy, isn't it? It's kind of almost conditioned to think it's okay to want revenge and to, like, say, if they did that, they did that to me, therefore I have the right to justice and justice means they get punished you know and i can get angry and i can be nasty to them or nasty about them or i can i can wish them dead and it's okay you know right right and while there's like a, I, I i i accept that when you're really hurting it's understandable to feel like that and i totally understand that why people would feel like that there has to be a point where you have to let that go otherwise it will it'll end up destroying you rather than them um, yeah, yeah. So you just hold on to if you just hold because because it'll never be satisfied. Like even if they are executed, it won't be satisfied. You still have right, that anger right. inside of you. You still have that wound inside of you that's not been that's not been healed. Um, um, and I think yeah, that's that, that's going to take a radical shift in our culture. And that again, it's not just about the death penalty. That's about. Um, yeah, it's about September 11th. You know, yeah. you kill 3,000 of our people, we'll kill hundreds of thousands of yours. You know, it's about, I think, uh, yeah. even the idea of how our framework for justice is um, that if, if you hurt someone, then we're going to harm you back, you know, um, through a punitive justice system or, or you know, um, solitary confinement or, or whatever. And I think that. Um, it's interesting because we got one of the oldest prisons in the United States here in Philly. And it was uh, originally the idea of the Quakers, a penitentiary came from the same root word as repentance. And it was um, some of the, even the architecture was modeled after the monasteries. And it was meant to be a place where you could have a cell, like a, a monk or a nun have a cell, and you would rethink your life and be restored to society, you know, a place of repentance and healing. Wow. But it's become something radically different now, you know, where um, it's it's um, a way that we've dealt with uh poverty and economics and we've evolved from slavery to mass incarceration and we've got you know uh we in the united states we've got five percent of the world's population uh but 25 uh, percent of the world's prison population one in four prisoners is in the united states and we've, wow. we've got five percent of the world's population i mean it's just baffling so i, I think we've got to really rethink how we Think about justice, and and, yeah. and one of the the um, the the models for that, you know, is restorative justice that's being done in a lot of beautiful ways around the world, and and uh, I think is is really the cutting edge of that kind of uh, uh, work. Um, and, and as we rethink that, you know, um, yeah. and, and part of that is a theology too. We've had a model. One of the most well-known verses of the Bible is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. 
which I think is also one of the most misused verses. Yeah, um, yeah. We've, we've used it, you know, and I, I go into a lot of detail on that. Like we, we've used it as a license for revenge. And it was really meant, I, I, I think, very clearly to be a, a limit to revenge, to stop the retaliation cycle that yeah. it wasn't meant to, uh, uh, to, to justify, you know, revenge. But it was to say, you can't harm someone worse than they've harmed you. Um, and it, and it really put a limit on that. Um, yeah. So, uh, we, we still have a lot to learn from that, but, but I think, you know, that, that idea of reciprocal harm for the harm done to you was one way of thinking about justice. And Jesus even blows that out of the water when he says, you've heard it said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you know, Moses told you this, but I tell you this, you know, and, mm. and I think Jesus goes so far to even say, you, you may have a legal right to retaliate, but that doesn't mean that's the, that's the best, uh, way, you know, uh, just because it's legal doesn't make it right. And, uh, I, I think that's that's uh, uh, something that, that Jesus really challenges is whether we should retaliate at all, but maybe we can do better than uh, the person who's wronged us uh, without mirroring what they've done. Yeah, yeah. So, where's this kind of work? Where's this work taking you next? Like, what's? I mean, obviously, you've, you've written the book and you're you're talking about the book and you're talking about this issue a lot. And I've seen you on social media, you talk about it a lot on, on social media as well. So what's kind of the next kind of major step forward that you're looking to to go to get to? Well, in one sense, we won't stop until the executions stop. You know, uh, we, we've got five executions planned for this month in the United States. One is two days from now. Um, and... Uh, uh, so there, even though we're setting records in the amount of death sentences and the amount of executions, every one is too many, you know, and so yeah, we're trying yeah. to uh, create a lot of uh, resistance to that around the country. And of course, in, in, in uh, I don't know when, you're, when the podcast will come out, but we'll be uh, gathering um, in D.C. this week, uh, Washington, D.C. at the Supreme Court to try to uh, join, uh, converge a dozen different groups and call for an end to the death penalty uh, in what we believe will be one of the biggest protests against the death penalty in recent history. So I think that we're going to see that momentum continue um, and hopefully an end to the death penalty, you know, in the United States. Um, but these are all really related, you know. I mean, it, yeah. we, we, we've got some deep um, healing uh, that we need to do uh, around racial injustice, and we can see one certain expression of that in the death penalty um, yeah. uh, as, as you look closely at, at, at the racial bias in the system and things like that. But, but you know, um, the, the culture of violence— um, uh, the, 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 the ways that we have, uh, I think gun violence in the United States is something that we've been working on that we'll continue to work on. Cause it, I'm not a single issue person. I think that there is, there's a, uh, a kind of a disease of violence that goes all the way back to the original sin. You know, one of the first things that happens outside the garden of Eden is a brother killing his brother. Um, and, and that, um, Cain and Abel story is relived, you know, over and over. And, and, yeah. and uh, so I, I think um, uh, we, we, we've got to continue to focus on Jesus, though, because I, I think that um, uh, Jesus is, is uh, uh, amazing in this. You know, as, as Peter instinctively picks up a weapon and tries to protect Jesus and cuts a guy's ear off, Jesus scolds Peter. He heals the guy that he hurt. And the, the early Christians said, when Jesus disarmed Peter, he disarmed every Christian. 
and, and by that, Tertullian and others, I think, were saying the strongest case in the world for redemptive violence was Jesus. Was Peter protecting Jesus? And um, and 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 so we, when Jesus disarmed Peter, he disarmed all of us, and, and we can no longer justify mm-hmm. violence. So I, I think we've really got to be clear about that in, in a world with so much violence. Is that um, we, we can't hold the cross in one hand and a weapon in the other. That, that we've mm-hmm. got to counter uh, violence with nonviolence, and we've got to wear evil down with love. That's what Jesus does. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, it, yeah, so that's, yeah, you're doing amazing work. That is fantastic work, and it's so needed, um, you know, and it's important. Because even, I mean, we don't have the death penalty, but, you know, we're still a the UK is still a country that, kind of believes the myth of redemptive violence as well and you know we do we're not we're not perfect by any means um um so there's work for all of us to do to kind of change this culture you know um and you know it's uh, it's 500 years since the reformation and i think one of the things that we can look to is that the reformation was a place of a lot of violence violent language violent theology and literal violence where christians were killing christians you know like not many people come out looking really good in the reformation early days you know <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and, and i think that that uh, we we can look at our theologies and our practices and we've got to we've got to uh, 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 be honest about that and, and confess that and, and I think do some serious healing from that um, as we try to be more faithful to Jesus. You know, I, I'm really thankful that the Pope has been a great voice on, on this as well. And I think yeah. we'll challenge the just war theory and um, uh, 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 this idea of redemptive violence. He's very consistent. And I think that's what we need to be is, is a consistent voice uh, against violence and against anything that's uh, dehumanizing and degrading uh, other people. You know, every, every person is made in the image of God, and anytime someone's dignity is squashed, um, we, we, you know, are in danger of losing uh, some of God's image in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Shane. Um, Absolutely, brother. So Great to talk with you. Yeah, um, so yeah, thank you. I'm sure everyone's learned so much. I definitely have. It's going to take me a while to digest all of this stuff, but it's so great. Um, so thanks, Shane. Um, and that's it for this week, everybody. Um, take care, and we'll talk soon.